Hello everyone and welcome to another episode here on the Cycling Dane podcast and today is a very special one. I went to the DSM Fermanich launch day or their press day and sat down with Fabio Jakobsen. So enjoy the following interview with Fabio Jakobsen, the new superstar for their team. I'm happy with your desire. I think it stands out. I love that uh, the sponsors have the colors they want. And that is always important. There's a whole job on the there, and light blue and orange. I like it. Yeah. Well, maybe most important is the, the bike. For every spilter, the bike is is important. Well, yeah, the, the, the bike is also, also a nice color. But it's a, and I think it's in the top five, five maps. Perhaps top three fastest bikes in the peloton. Uh, Scott can put a lot of effort in into creating this foil, and I think for me it's a perfect fit. How you can uh, describe the, the bike because yeah, I know the sprinters you very uh, I don't know very detailed things for the bike the, the flexibility the I would say it's similar similar to the Venge I had so we bought the discontinued model from Specialized we were not allowed to ride on it anymore because they don't sell it anymore but I would say that the feeling is is quite similar and it's just when once you get it up to speed, keeps the speed quite well, and you can just feel that it's it's fast. It's a it's really an aero bike. I think it's up there, like I said, with the Cervelo and the Kenyan, and also the Giant. I think those are the brands. Yeah, you need to look at now for the for the top speed spring bikes. Is it important for you to be the leader of the team again here? Well, not. It's your first journey, but kind of to be the leader of the team. Well, yeah, of, of course, I made a, a decision based on where I go. I have the best sportive opportunities and ambitions, uh, which yeah, I could not, couldn't really stay at the youth pack because everybody knows Ramco is gonna do the tour. There won't be a spot for a sprinter. And then you have to you find a place elsewhere. So it was uh, yeah, on the top of the list was always I want to go to a team where I can spring for wins. Or I do to the France, perhaps to Giro d'Italia. But so that's why I this was immediately uh, an opportunity and a good choice. And I also spoke with a few other teams, but this was the best option for me and it was business. Uh, Performance-wise, equipment-wise, and also uh, being surrounded, building a, a lead-out train, and have like a, a dedicated spring route to go to the ISIS with. Just one question on me. quick step. Just as a cyclist, as a fan rather than as a yeah. do you think it's sad that kind of upset? I know we understand why quick step's gone next yeah. year, but is it sad that quick step, the sprinting team for 20 years? Is no yeah, I, I would call it just a race winning team. You know, it's just, and I know that a guy like Ayrapool wins a lot of races, but because you invest a lot in him, you cannot invest a lot in many other riders who would also win a lot of races. So to go from maybe 60, 70 victories in a year, like a few years ago, to having. 10, 12 victories at the highest level with him, but you exchange 
maybe like five to seven riders who would also win five to seven races in that. So it's, it's it's just not the same DNA anymore. But I understand the decision completely. But we used to win races with 12 or 14 different riders from, from throughout the year, from beginning to end. And I think that'll change a bit now, Samuel. But here, you obviously see a lot of attention here. Do, do you feel like you, like you can almost mold the team to how you want it here? Because it's such a young team as well. Yeah, and it's now uh, the time for me to use the experience I've had for six years and try to to teach them or at least share my experiences with them. And of course, we're going to fail races, but then we need to try and, and get to learn from that and get experience from that and build that that successful lead-out training. It doesn't happen overnight, you know. The guy like Mark Sericese or Michael Mokov was not successful when he was 23, 24. So cannot expect these guys to be on it from the moment. But I guess races progress and throughout the year they should improve and they will never know where we end up. And because the the sprint group is so specific and, and the riders know that it's their job to improve on that. I think with um, yeah. the rider like John Denkop in the team, but also Roy Kovas, who's like the overseeing sport director of that project. Yeah. I think you can make a fair amount of steps. And yeah, I look forward to start to work with them and, and aim for that perfect execution. And with that comes uh, race wins. Is it your mission to retake that spot as maybe the best sprinter? Obviously, I think it's fair to say that. Yeah, I'm sure. Last year, he was the most successful sprinter by his victories and by, by the way he raced. But this is a new year. I beat him once last year. I tried to beat him there well. So There's nothing about him that, that you look at and say, okay, let's, let's just get back. Maybe the money in Amateur on the So yeah. Oh no. This that little thing. <laughs> no, but obviously I've I've raised Jasper since the under twenty three. He's uh, about an amazing rider and he came now to the to the top step went. And every year is a new year and it's up to him to stay there and it's up to us, all the rest of the Peloton to try and well, I'll go climb over him again. Well, you obviously came to other teams, which is an institution in terms of sprinting. How, how does that make you feel? What do you think they can bring as an add-on to your already super resourceful material? Just the, f the full focus on the sprint. So I'm, I don't need to focus on the classics anymore. That is. In Quickstep was always a bit 50-50, but here it's just you kind of go for the for sprints, spring races, stage wins. Oh, but you have a wheel. Aiming at the Giro d'Italia this year and then aiming at Tour de France. And those are the big deals of the year and everything towards that will be a process of getting to know each other, working on, of course, physically, but also all the tactics behind the sprint. The, the mental part of it, working together as a group. Yeah, I think they do have the performance stuff for it, they do have the equipment. Uh, 
they lack maybe a bit of experience, but I think together we can get more of that and then become a bit less, how do you say, unsuccessful every day, every day, every time, and then become more successful as the races go on and the year progresses. And in the end, that's also why I signed in this team for three years, to show that it's not a, a one or two year project we're on. No, I mean, it's for the for the long term, so I'm willing to invest a lot in all the riders and all the yeah, and discussing with the trainer or with the performance team about what also what I can improve, but also what I know that the team maybe perhaps can do better. So I would say it's a it's an agreement to to try and become better, like the organization, but also as riding the same. I mean, in terms of mentality, the way you think, the way you work, are you? I, I imagine that you and the team are, are on the same page, otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. But this is a special team, having in mind that there's a lot of rotation of riders yeah. every every season. Yeah. Weren't you a little bit, I wouldn't say, afraid of? Yeah, of course. There's a lot of ghost stories about this team. In the first and second meeting I had with. Uh, Ivan Spekerbrink and Rudy Kemmer, which is obviously much more easy in the Dutch language. We spoke about uh, where the team has come from, where the team has gone through, what I heard from uh, that riding and that riding. Uh, we spoke about it, and if you think you know the inside, then all the steps make sense. And it's like in a marriage, sometimes it doesn't work anymore. You split up, and then either you say nothing or you, the shit comes out. You never say, you know, I was happy and it's all good. Because if you split, then there's... Yeah, there's always a, a negative that comes well. Uh, but uh, I like to look at the successes that the team had. So they won Giro d'Italia with Condemnelin. They were a very successful sprint train with Kittel and Dengold. So that is in their DNA. And they also said to me, we we want to try and do that again with you and this is how we see it how do you see it so it was like from the beginning uh, something we would work on together and we also spoke about riders to maybe enter the team what i thought about that and and i said what i knew or what i've seen in the races and yeah they took that into their decision making so it's not that i said i want this guy and that guy and that's how it happened but it was always like a yeah, an open communication about how to go from here. Do you have sort of, I can't hate this word, but like, like a bucket list of what you want to do now in the next two, three years? Like, do you say, do you say to yourself, okay, I want to win a stage in each in, in each of on the three grand tours. I want 30 wins. Like, do you mark down what you want? Like, do you have a piece of paper at home and say, okay, this, this, and this, and this? Yeah, I want, I just look at one year at a time. But I would say for this year, if we get a stage win in the Giro and a stage win in the Tour, then we can uh, speak about a successful year. Mm. But before that, I, the main the main aim and the main goal is to get that get that sprint sprint train to function because it starts there. And if that works, then probably you can tick the boxes of the Giro win and of the Tour win. But if you don't get the train and the group to work together. Of course, you need the physical level, but I know I can reach that. This now it would be about cooperating and getting to know each other, and I think then we can tick those boxes probably at the end of the year. 
Fabio, getting in details, uh, what will be the spring train? Because you said many times, but who will be the main rider? I spoke with John. So the group we have, so I think Niels Eikhoff and John Dainkov, they are, of course, in the classic group, but they will also enter in the sprint group in the big races or in the in the normal tours. But then here on training camp, we had uh, quite a specific group we trained with. So that was Emil Slipins, that is now in Australia. Uh, Pat Eddy is also in Australia. So those were the, those are the two we're missing now. And then we have Castor uh, Nudevis, who's really at the talent sprint And Timo Rose, of course, Bram Welte, uh, Niklas Merkel and Tobias Lund. I think I've mentioned everybody then, and uh, that's the group we, we train with, but we also discuss races with. Uh, we do all the strength training. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do the strength training together. We have the, I think we all have the same trainer, so he has like a good overview. Roy is the coach who's coaching all of us, so it's really a dedicated sprint effort. Yeah, we're gonna do it. There's a few young riders, but there's also a few older now with a bit more experience, and and we try and combine the two, work together, discuss things. So that's why uh, I cannot say that this is the leader that will go with me to Giro, but they will for sure be one of those guys in the group. I remember speaking with you this time last year before the Amazon documentary and then at Netflix. And we were kind of talking about kind of the pre-Fabio before all this fame had come. Did the fame ever really come or not? I had it. And I, I, I don't look at myself as famous. <laughs> I just, I'm just the same guy, you know. I started bike racing when I was 12, 13, and from juniors I made a step up, and then in an athlete 23 I made a step up. And it's only when I get out of my comfortable home situation, or when I, when I'm, let's say, out on a cafe with the, with the group, then. Now the, there's a few Dutch guys who start to make jokes because it's always a uh, oh, Fabio, Fabio, Fritoker. It's like Belgian or, you know, can I take a picture? Because, yeah, I was in a Belgian team and when they see me in the, in the race kit, then they recognize me and, and then I'm famous. But I think if I just wear normal clothes and I came to the list, it doesn't happen that often to me. I just like to race my bike. I love to win, to win races. I love to be with my team and work on that performance. And I don't think I'm a, maybe I am famous, but it's in someone else's eyes. But there was no sort of bounce after the Netflix because I mean we don't need to. Go ah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but you know you've got such a yeah powerful story. Yeah, but we that, don't need to speak about now. But you know, yeah. was there a then, bounce? That, then it changed a bit. Or not a bit, but I don't. I do think when I walk through the airport that I get stopped maybe twice, two or three times for a picture. But yeah, could be a huge cycling fan who was just lucky to see me. And it's not that I cannot walk the street here anymore because this paparazzi. It's not that big, you know. But I just yeah, it's nice that cycling got a stage like Netflix. Because I think it just builds the sport and shows what we do and why we do it and why we enjoy it. Uh, and it would take a bit of a bump, but I think when you win a stage in the Tour de France, people know you anyway. Because if 
if they're interested in cycling, yeah, then they know where you want to start. Mm. Where do you win a stage next year? Yes. I mean, looking at the next, well, this year's Tour de France, uh, what do you think of Champs-Élysées not being there on the final stage? Yeah, we should that you have to win a stage before the last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's obviously a, a weird year with things being in, in Nice and not in Paris, but yeah, with the Olympics being there, it's understandable. And I think as a sprinter, you now need to aim at the first two and a half weeks because the end... It's not going to be for sprinters. So it will be a weird year, but in the end, a Tour de France will be a Tour de France, and there's uh, still 21 stages, so a few good opportunities, and oh, yeah, just uh, need to save Paris for the year after. Is, is there still value with finishing next year's tour? Because you, you could say, I'll just go home after stage 16, but is there still value in, in finishing a tour? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah. You also have to finish with. There's not so much else after to do, and yeah. when you are there, oh, why not just continue? If if I would be there and I would still be fit and feeling well, I'm gonna lie. But it has to work. Because if you feel good and you're close in, let's say, a green jersey, uh, you're not gonna. If you're not sick and you're feeling okay, I think you should always continue. Yeah. Also, because there's not a big goal for me after. It's probably two, three weeks of rest anyway, so you might as well try and get to the, to the line in Nice. Are you looking forward to fighting against the time cut in those final two, three stages? <laughs> Just the other side of the medal. You got the shiny front uh, with the number one, and then the other side of the medal is the, it's the mountain days. And I think that's, that's also my strength, that I know that in order to try and be the fastest in the last 250, yeah, I'll probably be the slowest of the 180 riders into the France on our low right? Take us through your mind. Like, what's going through when you're going up a mountain and everyone's cheering for you, but you're in absolute agony? Yeah. Like, what's yeah, just one leg after the other. And no, normally, this, it happened one time now that I was close to the time cut. No, I mean, the, the, um, but usually it. It's 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 hard work, but it's it's doable. It's not like it's all. It's gonna be a struggle like that every every mountain day. I think even this year with the with the crash I had, I was still quite comfortable within four or five minutes of the time cut. So I think should also not make it bigger than it is. Uh, but if you do have a bad day on a bad moment, uh, then the tour is brutal and. It, there's always a possibility to go out. Uh, but I'm not going to try and improve and climbing to make it in the time cut more easily to risk becoming second or third in sprints. That uh, that would be a wrong way of thinking. We don't see anything from the sprinters during the multi-stages, but some people said the sprinters do the craziest descent ever. Is it actually go fastest down there? Yeah. For sure. Do you think something sometimes about the descent or you're just... Well, I think it's also that because we always race the finals on the full gas through the corners that we are used to to taking, it's not risk, but just to, to corner really well and we, because we need to 
at least make or make up time or not lose time on the sense we that we we are good at that because we do it a lot. So I would say that the best descenders peloton are probably yeah the heavy guys who are in the back in the mountain stages just going down fast and when you do it a lot you become good at it and you you rarely hear that the sprinter crashes in the because they always you never hear that they crash it's usually the guys in front or in the middle that make a mistake uh, because they normally never need to push in a downhill because they always ride away on the up so I think because we do it a lot and we always have to keep a good pace on the downhill that yeah, we are used to the cornering and the speed and yeah, it's it's. I don't think many amateurs would be able to follow us uh, at in Tour de France on the down. Would you pass the speed like going yeah, up? Yeah, like I, yeah, but that's just easy, you know, because it's on the straight lines like 108. I had one 180. No, 108. 108. Oh, please don't want to get easy. No, no, 108. 108. Yeah, yeah. Just shy of it. I want to ten. No, but okay, you would think that the, the the trickiest part about it is blind corners. Uh, and then, yeah, luckily now we have a wahoo with a screen, so you can see the route, but you never know how much your corner bends. So it's the blind corners that are the most dangerous. But for sure, but corners we can see through how the bend is going, and yeah, we just go on the limit that you almost feel the tire slide. Yeah. That's how you know to get into the timing. What will be your first race's opinion? Uh, Oman, UA, and Paris. Breden, Messing, and then the Pan. And then I build up uh, with the two of Turkey towards Ciro d'Italia. And then to Belgium and to you, you will be settling mist in, in the Algarve. Yes. I would love to go there, but if you do Oman and UAE in the Middle East, which are um, quite a few good sprint opportunities, then they have to make choices and not let go. Still one month of training before we go to Oman. Yeah, and maybe I'll go out there for my stream. Yeah, we could do that now, but if I go there, I'd like to race. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a reading in preparation and spread a It's it's a good preparation race you're doing an opening weekend because it's an art race with two two sprints, but it's not hard. But if you really want to, like I already said, get that lead out and yeah. that spring train going, it's better to do in one anyway. And also, I don't do the opening weekend because I'll be in Emirates. So, uh, yeah, that's why the choice was not made for an opener. Is Tacky in April again? Is this the tour of Tacky? But yeah, back in April. Yeah, it's before the GM or like change to a week before and yeah, they come back. They were last year in the it was in October last year, wasn't it? And now they're again it was up week. Oh, was that one? Yeah. Okay, now they're going back to me. And there's usually lots of sprints there, isn't it? I think there's a three or four so it's again about that working with that sprint tree. Are we good guys? Yes. yes. Happy everyone? Okay, Jerry, happy. Guys, I'll go to the next season. Yeah, thank you. 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 Thank you.